I think I'm pretty excited about this conversation because we're going to kick it off with some news. So, Dr. Hernandez. Well, uh, first, let me just say it's really nice to be here. Uh, California Healthcare Foundation, for many years now, uh, has been running an innovation fund. And what we do with that fund is really look for organizations that are startup, that have a good leadership team, and that are solving a real issue for the delivery system, and particularly the delivery system that serves low-income folks. And in the state of California, I would be the Medi-Cal program, about 13 million people. Um, uh, at a recent board meeting, uh, we approved, I'm very excited to announce, an investment in Nomad Health. Um, Nomad Health is an online marketplace uh, that really tries to take the friction and the tension out of connecting providers to delivery system, and in particular to delivery systems that are having a hard time finding primary care physicians, uh, specialists, et cetera. And so um, Nomad Health was uh, part, has now joined in a portfolio of companies that the foundation has invested in. Most of those innovations are ones that we see as having a need on the one hand in the safety net, and those companies also have an interest and a desire to understand how Medicaid programs run, what the policies are, what the regulations are, and so we really do a lot of matchmaking in that regard. Those investments tend to be in the form of low interest loans, as it will be with Nomad Health. And uh, we think it's solving a very important problem of a workforce shortage that we recognize exists throughout California in all different shapes and sizes and forms. And so it's a very nice fit with our mission, our work, and really trying to help the safety net identify the workforce that it needs to serve its population. So if you can, can we take a step back and talk about the problem? What's, sure. what's going on here? So um, uh, healthcare has a number of issues, and digital companies are trying to address a number of them. But one of the fundamental problems that we have is if you're in San Francisco, large, urban, a uh, lot of academic medical centers, uh, hiring a physician has friction, but by and large, primary care docs can be found, specialists can be found. If you're in Eureka or you're in YOLO and you need a primary care doc or you need a nephrologist or, God forbid, your child needs psychiatric evaluation or psychiatric care, um, you see vast differences in basic access to care based on how those workforce shortages play out. And in, in California alone, you know, a third of the population of primary care physicians are over the age of 60. If you add that to that physician burnout, which a lot of people have heard about and talked about, what you find is that you can provide health care coverage, you give somebody an insurance card, but if actually they can't actually see the right provider at the right time in a way that works for their family, particularly true for low-income families, then you don't have true access. And what you have in California is wide variations in access depending on where you live, what your income status is, whether or not you have a public hospital, whether or not there's a federally qualified health center in your, in your uh, community. And so uh, we see this workforce issue as being a very important issue of access. It's also a very important driver of healthcare costs. 
If you don't do basic primary care, or you don't train a public health workforce in prevention, or you don't train people in state-of-the-art substance abuse treatment, or recognize that people often have comorbid conditions, mental health conditions and substance use conditions. All of those things manifest themselves in emergency room visits, in opiate overdoses, in conditions that fundamentally don't do well by the individual, their family, and their community, and absolutely do not do well by virtue of the healthcare system more broadly, making it affordable, making it accessible, and really making it timely and appropriate. And workforce is a significant driver in all of that. So we've seen a lot of news stories over the last year, um, $20,000 signing bonuses, um, big hospitals spending a lot of money to, re to retain and attract talent. So what happens to a safety net, a hospital, in those situations? Well, if you're uh, using a broker, you're a clinic in you know, a rural county up north or in the Inland Empire or in the Central Valley, where you really, we have vast disparities, again, urban, rural, inland, coastal. Um, those institutions end up spending a tremendous amount of money on brokers. They often have to pay signing bonuses. They often um, can't actually find providers that might be interested in working in that community hard time finding a provider that might be bilingual. Um, and so what we're trying to do with Nomad Health, and we'll both invest in the company, help them understand the safety net, but we'll also prime the safety net, so we'll do some grant making on that side, um, so that we can reduce the startup cost to be able to use a platform that really just allows people to connect and understand where is this area? Is it close to fishing? Is it rural? What's the living situation? Maybe you're a younger physician, you have a significant amount of medical debt. Actually, if you work for a federally qualified health center, you can get loan reduction. These are all things that, if you have a broker and you could find the right person, there's expensive to do, they might come, they didn't know this, they didn't know that. The idea is really to take the friction out of that system to make it more efficient, uh, more affordable, and to be able to promote the kinds of things that the safety net actually needs, whether it's public hospitals or rural clinics. So what does that mean for access, especially when we're talking about a Medicaid population or other underserved patient populations? Well, um, it's all about uh, wait times. Um, do you have a primary care physician that can see you as a medical home so that you don't end up in an emergency room at two o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning? Um, is, it, uh, is a clinic able to staff itself with the right type of team members? Doesn't all have to be physicians. You could use nurses, you can use nurse practitioners, you can use physician assistants. Um, telehealth is something that the foundation has been investing quite a bit in as well recognizing that you can use telehealth for a lot of visits without actually having somebody get in a car and drive three hours to San Francisco, um, or wait three months to get an appointment with a specialist who might be in that vicinity once every three months. So access really does get better, the extent to which the safety net uh, delivery system is able to attract and ideally retain a team-based workforce that allows that care to be delivered in a timely way in that community. Great. 
And so, um, taking the conversation in a slightly different direction, we've seen a lot of attention in, in the last year, um, VCs, uh, other organizations looking at funding tech that's serving low-income populations. Um, can you talk a little bit about what's been the primary issue um, in, in seeing that type of funding or innovation in the past? Well, it's, it's important to step back for a moment and just understand the sheer size of the Medicaid program. In California, Medicaid serves 13 million people. Um, nationally, it's about 70 million people. It's a marketplace of about $530 billion nationally. So it is a very big market for all kinds of uh, investments and innovations and for looking at that as a marketplace where if it could work in California or it could work in New York or it could work in you know, even a smaller state, there are some unique things about state plans for Medicaid, but by and large, the rules are the rules. And so the opportunity, I think, that we're seeing now, and I think in general, we're seeing a change in a sense of, gee, this is a market that is ripe for innovation, um, and that its scalability is quite, quite impressive. I mean, it's an enormous program. Um, and what we've learned at California Healthcare Foundation is that we now see companies beginning to look at that market, try to understand how it works. We also try to make the policy receptive environment better, you know, decrease barriers of regulation that simply don't make sense for what you're trying to do and help companies understand what those regulations are, how you work with them, who you work with to do those kinds of things. And so I think we're seeing a significant change in direction as people look at the size and scalability of the Medicaid program and understand there are many, many opportunities to address really significant issues in it. And Nomad Health is a very good example of that. But I think what we've begun to see through these meetings and the like is both a greater interest in those large public programs like Medicaid and companies now beginning to think about those kinds of things that that marketplace significantly needs. And by the way, People who are low income and on Medicaid need the same kind of innovations that people do in a commercial market. I mean, we should not make any distinctions about them. What's, what's unique about them, they, absolutely, what's unique about them is they have fewer resources. You know, when, when their daughter starts to have a, you know, psychotic kind of thinking, um, they don't actually know who to call and where to call or where to go or who can help. Um, and so um, I think, you know, the needs of this population are the needs that we see in the commercial market and broader markets. They just don't have the same uh, social capital, health capital, capital capital to troubleshoot a system that is often hard uh, to know how best to navigate. Um, and so um, I think what we're beginning to see now is a safety net that is needing and wanting these kinds of innovations, trying to figure out how to adapt to them, um, and a marketplace that increasingly is looking at this and saying, if we can make this work in this state, it might be able to then go to other states. And we've gone to other states in our own program to sort of make that market and make that case. And I think we're beginning to see some tremendous momentum in that regard. So we've seen, um you know, a huge amount of funding go into the digital health space. Why now 
do you think people are starting to pay more attention to this huge market? Well, I think, um, look, there are all kinds of digital innovations. Um, some of them are cool, some of them are interesting, some of them are even fun. Um, the real question is, how does it um, disrupt those parts of the system that have been least adaptable for people, who, many of whom are newly insured? I mean, keep in mind that the ACA has only been around for five years. So this massive expansion that we've seen in coverage, and in particularly in Medicaid expansion, is relatively new. And so um, I think both the growth of that market, but also a, a growing recognition of really trying to understand what are the unique problems of the delivery system that mostly serves that population, really try to understand those problems, and then make those connections between these digital opportunities and what the needs are uh, of, of these very large delivery systems. And by the way, they're all trying to adapt Right? They're trying to use EHR, they're trying to do digital work, they're trying to use AI, they're trying to figure out predictability. Everybody's invested in trying to understand how their data gives them the information that they need to be able to target resources, those people who need them the most. Um, and we have those capabilities coming out of this innovative uh, sector, and I think that um, We've got VCs, we have people that are specifically focused on these markets. And that is, I think, a byproduct of being five years into a national law, that notwithstanding all the cuts and bruises that it's taken through kind of partisan politics, um, I think that there's a ripening of those digital capabilities to understand there's a tremendous amount of need for that kind of innovation in the safety net system that serves a lot of our low-income communities all over the country. And so looking at um, this partnership you have with Nomad, as well as some of the other companies you work with, how do you measure success? How do you look at something like AI or data collection and how, how does that tie back to, to outcomes? So that's a great question. So um, whenever we make a program-related investment in a new company and add them to our portfolio, um, they agree with us that we will prime the other side of, of, of this partnership and learn from each other and do feedback and introduce people. But really importantly, we also, they agree to allowing us to fund an independent evaluation. Um, that allows us to hire somebody and sort of say, here's what we were trying to achieve. Um, let's see three years, four years, five years down the line, uh, whether or not that happened or not. Um, and we're interested in it in part, if it worked, to be able to put that in the field and have it be disseminated and have it be replicated. But we also know if it does, we want to know if it doesn't work. Right? And we also want to extract the learnings of that to be able to inform our team as we think about the next investment. Those companies might be different and do different things, but I think, so we're very focused on outcomes um, and we're uh, very focused on learnings from them. And as a foundation, our ability to put that information out there and disseminate it and work with a company to be able to do that is very much part of what we do as part of this partnership. Arguably, the investments we make for a foundation are significant for companies, may or may not be, depending on their size. 
but the dissemination and replication and the role that evaluation plays in that we think is also really an important aspect to the partnerships that we have with these companies when we make the investments in them. And we have you know, CEOs that are and their management teams and many of them have hired people from the safety net to work on their teams. We've helped them find talent for their teams. So I think um, it is an investment and we look at it that way. If the company gets sold and we get paid back, that's great. But that's not fundamentally what the investment is meant to do. What we're really trying to do is find those things that work in the safety net, figure out how we replicate them in the state or elsewhere, help them build their teams and uh, continue to expand the capability of those um, tools within a sector that we think is hungry for them. And as we've seen more companies come into this space, it's definitely more competitive. Has the measure of success that you look at changed? Well, I think you have to look at it company by company. Um, uh, again, we're, we, we want to invest in a company that we think has a good leadership team and that we think uh, has a business model that has already been tested. We're not early, early, early stage. Um, and fundamentally, a company that wants to do something in the space of the safety net and the Medicaid program in low-income communities. So, you know, our team, Melissa and, and her group, meet with all kinds of companies and interview them and talk to them and vet them, but we are really looking for that sweet spot of an innovation that's needed by the safety net, and so it could be a great idea, but if there's no uptake, we're really not interested in that investment. And so our job is to take the things we know by virtue of our grant-making program and our policy work and all the research that we commission and our relationships that we have in the delivery system and have an ear for what are the problems you're trying to solve so that when we hear from a company, they've got a potential solution to a real problem. That's really when our partnership begins. And then the homework, really, how, how do we make this investment? How do we structure it? Um, where do we pilot it? Um, and that's, uh, that's sort of part of the magic of the Innovation Fund. And I, I think um, the beauty is we used to see all kinds of companies and they would say, Medicaid, hmm. Um, now I think people understand the Medi-Cal program is a sizable program. It's deeply scalable. Um, there are many problems they're trying to solve with it. And uh, companies, I think we're seeing now that that pipeline of companies is beginning to grow and expand, something we think is these kinds of events uh, nurture, and we're happy to support them for that reason. Um, but I think um, the ultimate outcome is, yes, we want the company to be successful. Uh, and by and large, the portfolio has done extremely well in that regard. Um, but more importantly, we want to find solutions that work and then try to help that company think about how those um, grow and get replicated in the marketplace. Great. Well, thank you so much. A huge round of applause for Dr. Hernandez. Nice talking to you. Thank you.